And welcome to Geeks with Kids, the internet's number one Star Wars podcast from a parenting point of view. I'm your host, Eric. Joining me this week is Hawk. How's it going, Hawk? Not too bad. How's it going with you, Eric? Oh, you know, I'm a little shattered after today's episode this Friday. So we're watching Star Wars Clone Wars and we're on season seven, episode 11, Shattered. So since this is the last arc, there is no quote at the beginning and we shall start with a summary. With the Siege of Mandalore over, Ahsoka and Rex prepare to take Maul before the Jedi Council on Coruscant. Mace Windu and Yoda contact Ahsoka via hologram and reveal that Obi-Wan has tracked Grievous down to Utapah, indicating that the war may soon be over. On their way to Coruscant, however, Ahsoka senses Anakin's fall to the dark side moments before Darth Sidious issues Order 66, branding all Jedis as traitors to the Republic and causing Ahsoka's clone troopers, including Commander Rex, to turn on her. She escapes, manages to subdue Rex, and frees Maul to distract the other clones. With the help of three astromech droids, Ahsoka then discovers and removes the chip from Rex's brain, restoring his free will. (sighs) Cliffhanger. This episode is the third of four episodes that are the last arc of Star Wars The Clone War TV series. And it's again, it started with the, the old school green logo the green lucasfilm logo and then it's immediately preceded by the red title card the star wars clone wars title card but what's different this week is that the music isn't the star wars fanfare but it's this really ominous foreboding music it's we were talking about how off mic how atmospheric the music is and really the sound design on the show is so good the music by Kevin Kiner to the breathing sounds made by Maul to emulate Darth Vader. The the sounds of them moving Maul in that shipping container, not shipping container, but cell. The, the, oh, the prisoner cell. The, the prisoner cell like that man, looks like... Um, an old Mandalorian prison cell they used from the wars against the Jedi centuries ago. <laughs> but it looks like a Hannibal Lecter type carrying device. And there's all these sounds that really are just top-notch. The sound design on the show is so good. Yeah. Let's talk about the music by Kevin Kiner. You were saying that during this whole episode, you had this pit in your stomach because it just felt like things were turning badly and things were just, you could feel something was about to happen. And that's just, to do that with just the music is incredible. I know. It added this quality to it. I've just kind of thought of in that. But the first at least five, ten minutes of the show felt with them transporting Maul in that prisoner cell, it felt more like a funeral march than anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's Great to get this really, really cinematic feel for this TV series and to have this, it really felt appropriate. There's the one thing that bothered me about the sequel trilogy, not just the sequel trilogy on a whole, was that the music was very forgettable. There were a couple motifs. No, there were a couple motifs that were good, but overall it just, for me, failed. But the music for Clone Wars has been constantly good, and that's been since 2008. So incredible yeah um i think because they've decided they took chances with it and that not following the cues of you know the classic star wars musical by john williams and that but they've i I think they've actually introduced a lot of kind of different influences into Mm. the the soundscape and the music that they're writing we were discussing what they still do the german late motifs type type thing like they'll still play themes for people but it's not just like that even even john williams moved away from purely leitmotif in his sequel trilogy but i don't think that's the best thing for for that 
it it, yeah. it felt Star Warsy without being overly Star Warsy. I, I feel like in this it series. felt appropriately sci-fi for what they were dealing with. In that we were debating. You think it's you think the the sound, the music was more alien esque for uh, this episode? Yes, I think that the the high tension that he built felt like how I felt with Ridley on the Nostromo more than right. anything else. It, it reminded me of I, that because, because of the, the there are pitches that he just hold for a while and you just be like, Ooh, you know, that alien is just around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for that's me, what it felt me. very blade runnery. Uh, that's the closest analogy I can make to the soundtrack and that it had those, the, the, those long pitch notes and that very stark, you know, you mostly focusing on one kind of pitch, you know, synth at a time and that, uh, and I, I think I was probably kind of a, a purposeful uh, throwback. I, think I understand which one. I, I feel like that the, the way that, that the music was made for Blade Runner was more to make this dystopian feel. And I mm-hmm. think this is a different type of eeriness. We could always debate about this for a much longer time, but we'd have to Absolutely. bring up both of the soundtracks and then we'd have to play it now. And then people would forget we were talking about Star Wars. So let's just keep on going <laughs> into the different sound design. This is the first time in a long time that we've had Mace Windu portrayed by Samuel L. Jackson. He was he was in it for the first season for a couple episodes and then they got him replaced by a voice actor, obviously, because, you know, multiple years. But yeah. we actually got to hear Hayden Christensen as Anakin and Skywalker. We got to hear Mace Windu yeah. and we got to hear uh, Silas Carson, who portrayed Kia Adi Mundi, who is uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, that the tall headed Jedi. Um, yeah. And of so course, we got Ian McDermott, Ian McDermott who did um, Emperor Palpatine in the all the Star Wars movies. And he also recorded new lines for this episode. So when he was telling Commander Rex to issue Order 66, that's him recording new dialogue. New oh, dialogue, so like two lines. <laughs> I know. Still, Who cares? <laughs> but it's exactly. still awesome that they got him to come back and do it. Um, he, didn't rec- yeah. he didn't do his voice in the Clone Wars cartoon, but he did it for Rebels. So getting yeah. him to come back was pretty much nothing, I assume. Yeah, and everything felt so in place, even though, you know, even though we could we could hear the them the come back and that, but oh my god, this episode! Yeah, yeah, yep. So this this episode starts with Ahsoka leaving Mandalore. She's taking Maul to you know the Jedi Council, and we see mm-hmm. Bo-Katan talking to her about how she's uneasy with where Mandalore is sitting right now because they're not really leaderless. They're sort of leaderless. With she's sort of in control. Her sister was a pacifist, so. She didn't really want to be like her, but she doesn't, she knew, the only thing she knows is war, which sort of mirrors what Rex was talking about later in the episode. There and, was a tension there in the, in the scenes with the Mandalorians and that, remember these, there was a scene with the clone troopers and that transporting uh, Carson yeah. uh, back to, and uh, passing him over to the Mandalorians and that, uh, and you could see once he was handed over to the Mandalorians, he was pushed and shoved in that while the clone troopers just merely treated him as an ordinary prisoner and that there's a fierceness there. And I think we're seeing uh, the emergence of a, a kind of a new order in Mandalore at the mm-hmm. same time. So when she's talking to Ahsoka, Ahsoka is talking about, talks to her about how Mandalore maybe needs a new type of leader and mm-hmm. definitely Bo-Katan can be that person. And she's a little bit more war savvy. And these are things that we see in later series like the Mandalorian or rebels. We see the Mandalorians go back to more than warrior ways. They didn't really go away from it, but with her sister, they were trying to be more than just warriors. Right. I know. Like 
I'm really curious to see how this it where their society goes from this point on not where would they kind of wind up when we see them in like the Mandalorian and that as nomadic. Um, we do know that Mandalore goes through this whole un- upheaval and unrest based on rebels where because all these clone troopers were left on on Mandalore, they ended up sort of controlling Mandalore and being one of the yes. territories that the Empire takes over under their iron fist. And I guess Bo Katan, along with Ursa Wren, who's Sabine's mother from Rebels, they they sort of lead this revolution against the Empire. It, yeah. It's 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 neat to see this whole because they're uneasy at the end when they leave, right? You see all the clone troopers there surrounding Man- the Mandalorians, and they're surrounding them, and that's I think yes. intentional, right? Because they're right in the yeah, middle. they're an occupying they're an occupying army in that they're not just peacekeepers at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, so so sad and. It's really interesting because we we hear Ahsoka talk about how Jedi's are supposed to be these keepers of the peace, they're not soldiers, but she has always been a soldier. And we talked about that idea of them being an occupying force and her leading that that occupying force there, even though she was trying to help them. I know. And it's it's gut wrenching. Anyway, so this we is, move this is that you know, that yeah. recurring theme that the Jedi's and that helped to conquer the galaxy for the Empire and that without even knowing it. The genius of Palpatine's plan of getting the yeah. army to go against their own Jedi. So aboard the bridge of the the cruiser, they talk about how they've all all they've known is war and how Rex Rex has said that there are clones that have this conflicted feeling about whether the war should have happened. Like they don't like fighting. Well, they're built for fighting, but that would yeah. also mean that they're they wouldn't have been made. No. And that leads me to the idea of Commander Rex being a free thinker. He's not he's been under Anakin Skywalker for such a long time that Anakin doesn't follow the rules. He thinks his own way. He brings his own path, right? And that uh-huh. sort of has rubbed off on Rex. And I wonder if that sort of influenced him when he couldn't turn right away to attack Ahsoka, right? There was yeah, a, there was a couple seconds a... before he shot at her. And but not all that. of them are unthinking machines and that with these chips in their head and that. I mean, a personality, a soul, I will go as far as to say as a soul grew in Rex and that over his years and that and his relationship with Anakin and Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And that had to lead to that hesitation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was real, also heartbreaking when Ahsoka told Rex when, when that other clone told them that there was a, a, a briefing. And she's like, no, just go. I'm sure it's more good news. Oh, you're just sitting there like, no, don't do it, Ahsoka. You know what that's for. And that led uh, directly to Order 66, the order to kill all Jedi because they were treason or they were traitors to to the Empire and to be executed on sight. Um, This has sort of been that this has been that sort of Damocles that had been hanging over the series the whole time. We had seen the prequel movies already, so we knew it was coming, but we... The clones were sort of unnamed and pretty much because they were CGI, we didn't really care about them in the movies, right? No. So we get into the series where we find out they all have individual personalities. They all have uh, souls, like you had said. Um, they they all lived and breathed. They loved. They they fought for people that they were loyal to. And uh, seeing that, that turn and then that conflict in Rex was was heartbreaking just just a shudder the dropping the helmet (sighs) and then to the shaking arms when he's holding the guns 
the blasters. And then like there was a moment when he said, no, I will do it. I thought maybe he resisted that, but then. Nope. He, he resisted <sighs> no. it enough to make sure that they didn't just shoot her on sight so that he could give that key little thing before he turned. Um, also, there was that scene where Ahsoka and Maul both felt the turn of Anakin Skywalker. And I assume it's because Anakin is Ahsoka's master and then Palpatine was Maul's master. So they had that connection to their masters. They're both masterless Jedi now, but they both had that that connection. And it was yeah. not even Obi-Wan had that connection with Anakin, right? Which is interesting. W- Only Yoda he- that we know of had had her felt that at that moment. Yeah. Which I guess speaks to like you know, the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin at that point, how divided they were mm-hmm. without even knowing it. Uh, um, this also, uh, there, there's also an interesting thing uh, in Rebels. Rex tells Kanan that he did not hurt his Jedi or did not turn on his Jedi. And he didn't really tell the truth there, did he? Because he sort of no. shot at her a number of times. <laughs> Do we go back to the old Obi-Wan quote? It's only the truth as you see it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, from a a certain point of view. Um, He also says that any clone not carrying out this order will also be executed for treason. So there's some uh, foreboding uh, words said by himself. And now that he's going to be a traitor, along with, I don't know how they're going to turn other clones, because there were a couple with him after. Yes. Uh, Uh, Yeah, this is. This isn't leading into a whole new storyline yeah. between I, now and like when we meet them again in Rebels. I don't know how I, I we talked about hopefully the Bad Batch coming back. I don't know how if that's going to be possible at this point or if their chips are different because they were they came out differently. Right. They were those. Or were they even chipped at the? Everyone was chipped when they were made. So, OK, um, I assume I don't know if their chips are working. Um, the So. <sighs> All right. There's so many questions. I know. <laughs> so, so Ahsoka goes and frees Maul, and it, it's gr- it's a great little um, play back and forth between them because Maul's trying to get her to join him, and there's this whole "you can join me, we can defeat everyone." She's like, "I just want you to make a distraction <laughs> because I want to do stuff." <laughs> and she's like, "Go cause chaos. That's what you're good at." <laughs> it was such and a good added little line when he asked her. He was obviously asking her for a lightsaber. Give yeah, exactly. me a fighting chance. And she's like, I'm not rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes off and he does one of the best things in Star Wars Clone Wars. He mimics his own hallway scene. So Darth Vader uh-huh. had this amazing sequence at the end of Rogue One where he just goes through a bunch of rebel troopers and just like tears them apart. And Maul does the oh. same thing, but so, a, a little bit better because he doesn't have a lightsaber. You know what yes. I mean? He's tearing panels off the, the the walls and the ceiling. He's throwing troopers all over the place. He does the same lift of a trooper and then throwing him up into the oh. ceiling that Vader does. But, yes. I- but right after that, he takes a panel from, a, from the wall and decapitates two of them, which is incredible. You just see two helmets uh, plinked <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> Then he another just another one. He he basically cut another one in half in that with that one that got no, stuck just his in the arm. Wall. His arm came off at the end. No, no, no. Remember they oh, threw the, the, the one in the wall. In? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. He maybe he he might have just been broken into a, like a thirty-five degree angle, but <laughs> it was still brutal. <laughs> it was brutal. And then right as they're closing the blast doors, he pulls one clone out 
just his one arm so that he can cut off his arm and listen to the communicator. <sighs> Brutal, Maul. I know. Brutal. And Thinking. amazing. I mean, this is a, uh, the reason this character has survived for so long. And that he's not just a rage-filled monster and that he's all, he's all he thinks. He's a planner. Mm-hmm. Even though he was a rage-filled monster when we first saw him again in Clone Wars. But his head yes. had been a little crazy. Oh. So the the next sequence we see is Ahsoka looking up this Fives character, this Fives clone trooper, and finding out everything that was reported about it. So this harkens back to season six's clone conspiracy arc, where a mm-hmm. clone trooper whose name is Tup kills his Jedi after his chip malfunctions. Um, five goes on this investigation and finds out about this whole conspiracy regarding the chips, but is killed before he's able to tell, really tell anyone about it. Um, yeah. Rex had had his suspicions about what had happened. Not enough knowledge to go forward though. Yeah. And he knew that, the, that whatever report he filed would fall on deaf ears. Yeah, exactly. And plus the Jedi council had covered it up Him, it in the Senate had just thrown it on the table because it was not something of importance at the time, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, there was another thing I noticed while I was watching this, or at least a feeling that I had. There was something genuinely upsetting seeing these clone troopers that had painted their visage of Ahsoka on their helmets, hunting know, and trying to kill Ahsoka the whole episode. It was like seeing little mini versions of her trying to kill her. I know, considering the hero's welcome she got in the in the first episode of the arc. Yeah, it it it, it was very upsetting. It was. Uh, and but she handled herself magnificently. That yeah, whole, she was so sneaky, which is a good play on her becoming a spy later on. And um, she ends up capturing Rex, knocking him out, and taking him to the medical bay, where they are searching for the chip in his head. And for some odd reason, the medical droid cannot find it. So she connects with Rex through the Force, chanting a famous. Rogue One prayer. I am one with the yes. force. The force is with force, me. The force is with me. And hearing that again, I was like, ah, oh, they did it. And hearing Rex chant it back to her. Oh, so they had that instant connection. And I, I guess that for some odd reason that allowed him to feel something that wasn't part of him, that wasn't living, I guess, that wasn't part of the force. And I guess the machine felt that, right? It had to be something like I, that, right? I, I felt it was another example of a, an unexplored aspect of the Force, one we're, we've seen in recent material now, but the, for, the ability to, of the Force to heal. Well, it's not really uh, healing. It was feeling something that was unnatural, right? It wasn't a natural part of the body. It was a chip that was sure. placed in there. I assume if they did the same thing on Anakin after he became Darth Vader, it would be just be like, bing, 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 bing. Yeah. Because <laughs> it would be everywhere. But yeah, so... The final shot is uh, Rex coming to the rescue and being the hero that we know he is and realizing that the entire galactic army was now hunting the Jedi. I and know. that's where it ends and, off. And how great of Ahsoka in, that, in the midst of all that chaos and that her first instinct leads her to a, a plan, a risky maneuver to save her friend, uh, mm-hmm. which harkens back to that talk they had on the bridge and that. And you could see the friendship that had developed between them. And that, uh, no, so. that mutual respect just as people yeah. is amazing, especially when they remember when they first met and they're, <laughs> she was such a little quippy person and no one really took her serious. <laughs> oh, man. No. How she's grown in this series is I know. Is and, and like this really felt like the end of a, a, a story arc. 
and yet there's still one more episode and there's so much to explore because Anakin had just turned. So order 66 had just happened and we all have the, the, the rest of the episode. So do we find out that she knows what happens to Anakin? Like that he is presumably dead after Obi-Wan fights with him. Um, does he find out, does she find out about the children? There's, does she find out about Yoda's fight with Palpatine? I assume she's going to go and try and rendezvous with any surviving Jedi. That seems like the thing that she has to do. Um, right. But honestly, at this point, I, I don't want to make predictions on that because this story, this arc has surprised me at every turn. The only thing I could sort of predict for the final episode is that we see Ahsoka meeting up with Senator Bail Organa and them sort of hatching the, the idea of the Rebel Alliance. Like, right. That's the only thing I could think of her starting her spy career and him um, doing that undercurrent in the Republic. Right. right. That, that's the only thing I could would think it, of. Would it happen that quickly or will we perhaps see some sort of a prologue in that that carries on maybe a few months after this happens? Well, yeah. Who, who knows? I, who knows if I assume it's going to continue directly after this episode, because that's how each of these episodes have been in the last arc. Oh, it has to. Like yeah. they left us on such a cliffhanger this this time around. Yeah, and I watched the the two previous episodes before this one, like back mm-hmm. to back, and it feels so right. It it feels so right. I cannot wait until Monday when the last episode comes out, and when we will see well, all of our listeners again, because we will be back in a couple of days <laughs> with our with our final <laughs> episode of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Oh. oh. There might also might be something even more special earlier on in the day. Yeah. From us to you guys as our Star Wars fans. Well, (sighs) Hawk, I don't know if there's anything else we can say about this, uh, this episode other than what did you guys think about it? Why don't you let us know in email form or on social media? We are everywhere. Thanks Hawk for coming back. We have one more. We have one more. <laughs> no. Just one more. And then, and then the tears because the last of the George Lucas era Star Wars is gone. That's it. That's it. Our childhood's over, Eric. I know. I know. All I know is that I'm going to be crying right after I see this. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. I'm Eric. I am Hawk. Have a good one. Enjoy. See you May the 4th. Goodbye. Bye. Well, that's it for us this week on Geeks with Kids. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekswithkids. Follow us on Twitter at geekswithkidscn. Check out our pics on Instagram at geekswithkids. And you can find all of this good stuff on our website at www.geekswithkids.ca. So if you like what you hear, why don't you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.